bird. It's a plane. Well, hello, beautiful. Listen up, casual. You've got a plan. I'm afraid my protocols are being overridden. Game over, man. Listen up, casuals. This is Rocco. And this is Chris. And we are back for another episode where we're going to break down a superhero from its comic origins to what you know and love from your casual viewing. And tonight, I'm actually really extra excited because one of my two favorite superheroes is who we're talking about tonight. And that is the man without fear himself, Matt Murdock's Daredevil. Woo! Yes, yes. Lots of applause and clapping. Um, but yeah, so I guess let's jump right in to where we first loved Daredevil or where we first figured him out. I'll, I'll start quickly is our favorite, everyone's favorite nineties cartoon show was Spider-Man with Kingpin and Doc Ock and the ridiculously colorful costumes and like a Peter Parker of whom's age I was always fuzzy on. Um, (laughs) But like, it was just such a great show. I love that. And there was an episode where Peter Parker was framed by the Kingpin for selling secrets to another country, American secrets. And he needed an attorney and that attorney ended up being Matt Murdock. And that's when I first heard of Matt Murdock. And then I thought it was so, I thought his powers were so cool. Like he was blind, but he can use like echolocation. Like he can use, like he has like a radar sense. So he can technically see in 360 degrees. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And from there, like, I just wanted to know all about this character. Yeah. I think his uniqueness when say compared to other publishers and the character they've come up with, there's so many like variants. I should use that word carefully around Marvel, but you know, doppelgangers. Uh, but this one here sets aside, and I think that's why he works so well. I think that Daredevil is a very unique character, and he's street level. Uh, yes. So we love Batman. We love the aspect of like. Matt Murdock does have superpowers, but you can also say Batman has like a meta brain. So whatever, like these kind of characters are very interesting because they're all, they're more like us mm-hmm. than say the gods that we like Superman, like that kind of level. Um, exactly. So they're much more like, I guess, relatable. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that's, I think that's what continued to draw me in. And even like from a young age, when I started reading Daredevil comics, God, so long ago, you know, he was, he was an Irish Catholic boy and I was a Roman Catholic boy when I was reading these things. And there's a lot of similarities between the Irish Catholic and the Roman Catholic. And, and it was, there was another part, you know, religiously speaking and his constant turmoil with his own inner battle of 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 his faith if you will the questioning of his faith hence taking the moniker of the devil um but i just i always i've been so drawn to his story for the longest time yeah i the very first 
comic that I think I read of Daredevil was the Man Without Fear miniseries when that came out by Miller and Ramita Jr. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, just kind of in the scheme of things of how, you know, Daredevil's comics have come out. But um, before that, I don't know how I was exposed, but I had action figures. Mm -hmm. It was even before the Spider-Man cartoon. So I don't know if he was in like coloring books, different things like that. I I remember having like cutouts on my wall of, of characters. And I think Daredevil was one of them. So awesome. Also being like, um, you know, a snowboarder. I always liked that idea of Daredevil as well. So it was always kind of like relate to this character because he did crazy things. Right. Um, And just, just, I don't know. I just always drew a nice, a good parallel because the character was, was definitely that relatable character. And also he had, he had neat powers that set him aside from everybody else. Yeah. And I also liked when I was younger that not a lot of people really knew who he was at that time. Yeah. You know, like the big ones were Spider-Man and Superman and Batman, you know, back then. And here's this obscure superhero at that time again, that it felt like I knew a little secret. Like I knew something that other people didn't, and it made me closer to the character. Yeah. Daredevil is not for kids, you know, none of that is. It's not, you know, Batman's not for kids, but they find ways to make Batman and tell, you know, take Batman and put him in the, make him relatable to little kids, whatever you can do. But these characters were not written for kids. No. I mean, it's, it's uh, Miller had a huge hand in this. Miller Mm -hmm. saved the comic and comics in the mid eighties, you know, without that guy who was like so influential for Daredevil alone just just think about that kind of power that within the industry right there oh yeah oh yeah like you know i the one thing i i can't stand and you know listen up casuals um go to go get like daredevil comics batman comics street level superhero comics and these are not written for kids there are so many folks that will like make fun of me for reading comic books and then when I like explain, like, yeah, no, you're not really understanding. Like, you equate this to to kids stuff because that's what you see in TV and movies. But like, if you actually go get a comic book, like even the newest run of Daredevil, my kids would not be allowed to read that, no. not at all. Like, and we're gonna talk about the latest run later on. But yeah, it, it's these are daredevil was always adult themed and i think my parents didn't really understand that so they just bought me the comics you know it was at the spinner rack the grocery store do you think it even mattered at that point it was all together it was like mickey mouse and daredevil sitting next to each other exactly son here read about this what the what what is this this is wonderful i'm sitting here i'm 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 eight years old and we're talking about a blind lawyer (laughs) with who's an irish catholic struggling with his faith that's good kid stuff it's great kid stuff excellent kid stuff um and i read and i read it i read the shit i ate it all up i wish i would have read that at that age what can i say i was i was ahead of my time i guess exactly you had a grasp on your faith by age nine exactly exactly and matt murdoch helped me the whole way through but chris (laughs) let's get into the nitty-gritty 
which is why we're here this evening. Where what was Daredevil's first comic book appearance? Yes, sir. Let's uh, let's talk key issues. Yes. So this Daredevil dates back to 1964. It was like that. It's a funny thing uh, when you think about Marvel comics and how a lot of the characters are only as old as the 60s. Mm-hmm. And then you have other comic characters that date back to like the 40s, 30s and stuff the like 20s. that. So Exactly. And they're still around today. So what I really like about this is that they didn't suffer a super silver age. Um, I guess the, the stories went right into what they always have been and who the character has evolved over the years. But the idea here is that we're going right into a character who has not really changed much in the last 60 years now. Yeah. Have they, when's the next anniversary for him? 2024. Yeah. So there'd be a big daredevil stuff going on that year. So who knows? I, I love this because of course, Stan Lee's involved here Mm -hmm. um, with artist Bill Everett and, they say Jack Kirby had something put in it as well. So there you have it. Daredevil number one. And it's funny that he actually starts off in his own comic instead mm-hmm. of being introduced in another one, you know? Yeah. You've, you see that so often. Exactly. I, I didn't even, even Batman didn't have his start with his first comic. Right. Like he was in detective comics. So Spider-Man. yeah. Sp- Spider-Man, where did he start? Amazing fantasy that okay that yeah that's right that's right yeah so yeah so so let me get this straight his first appearance was in his own number one correct i didn't i didn't know that i did not know that listen up casuals then the next uh i guess important comic we should talk about is amazing spider-man number 16 in 1964 it's the first meeting of spider-man and daredevil two characters from the city and who have just met this past year for the first time. And it's very exciting. We'll talk about it much later in the show, but this is, this is the monumental thing. Cause they put him with his character immediately after, like almost immediately, I think it was like five or six months later. And he's, he's already palling around with Spider-Man, uh, which is, which is great. Yeah. That that's a relationship that if you've, if you've read the comics, was very special they have a very special relationship um with you know the two of them swinging together in the city um through the city and then and fighting crime together like spider-man and daredevil like those motherfuckers roll together <laughs> so like exactly yeah so like seeing them and we're gonna talk about that but you know what i'm saying exactly and that's why if i was a betting man I probably would have won some money in December, but I'm not. Anyways, Daredevil number 16. First, John Romita Sr. art. So I did mention how Romita Jr. worked on uh, some stuff with Miller in the 80s. Uh, I'm I'm always a big fan of both of their art styles. So this is just kind of, here's another big name, big talent who has worked on Daredevil. Um. Then next up in Daredevil 131, you have the first appearance of a mainstay villain for Daredevil who's appeared in both the movie and the TV show. So this was one of the important ones for me was Bullseye. Yes. Bullseye shows up in number 131. Yes, Bullseye. Um, 
Bullseye has, I would say, remained pretty constant in the comics. But when it comes to his on-screen presence, he's been definitely revisioned both times. Um, one I loved, one I didn't. Um, but again, I know we keep teasing you casuals, but we'll get into it's it. Coming. It's, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. I'm not going to ask you which one because I want you to so bad, but I'm not going to. That's okay. Next up. <laughs> Next up. Daredevil number 158. First Frank Miller art. So Frank Miller joins uh, the creative team and it's not until Daredevil 168 where he also starts writing the title. So the world is gifted Daredevil written and drawn by Frank Miller. And it's dirty. The pages were just dirty. It was a different side of New York City and there wasn't these bright shining. It was... Uh, even the pages felt a little more newspapery, like very pulpy. It just Frank Miller gives me that feel like I, I it's the same feeling I get whenever I watch like Sin City. Uh, when I watch a, that movie, it feels like the old pulp, you know, newspaper gritty, just this grittiness. And I loved it, but it also had, it was also very colorful weirdly enough and it was always like the costumes like daredevil was always bright red you know with the dd and little horns and you know the the his coterie of of people and informants at josie's bar you know they were always so bright and so colorful and always using the most ridiculous slang like slang that like now is just borderline racist (laughs) right Uh, (laughs) like like come on dude it's it's to me it was it's really funny you know to to read to read that stuff but yeah i loved i have two frank miller omnibuses like i was telling you uh before and i've i blazed through both of them and it's just it's just a collection it's just random collections of frank miller's some of his best stuff um i would say um, but yeah, I always loved Frank Miller's Daredevil. Well, also in that issue 168, we get the first appearance of Electra. So this is 1981. It's huge. So we're like you just mentioned, what you just depicted was what New York City was like definitely in the 70s, like Gotham. Yeah. Yeah. And that I it's really interesting you brought that up. So and that's also what I always noticed about Daredevil too was the pop of the red, because it was just, oh, he, he's not really so stealthy, is he? No, <laughs> or is he? He's no, uh, he is, but um, uh-huh. you know, it's that's how stealthy he is. He's so stealthy. I'm trying to get the name of this one character, um, but e- either way. My my point is, it, why can't I find this character's name? It's going to really, because it's going to bother me the rest well, of the Well, while you do that, while you do that, yes, Daredevil also had another costume, the yellow costume. Yes, he had the yellow costume. What was that? That wasn't his first issue, was or was it? That was his first issue. It was in yellow. It was his original costume. Yeah. Yeah. But the way he would be shaded in the comics almost like that 
that bright red was able to hide somehow in the dark, which, you know, to me still doesn't make a, a whole ton of sense. Um, I found who I was thinking about, by the way. Um, but anyway, um, I think I just really loved the thought of these bad guys who thought they were so bad and the devil was coming to collect his due for their crimes. And that depiction of these brightly colored villains and then this man in a red suit who is going to beat the shit out of them on the next page. I don't, I don't know something about that. I really, really enjoyed. It is. It's striking the fear into the hearts of the, of the enemy. So, and then obviously you like that across the board because you also love Batman. So. Yes. Yes. Batman is, is <laughs> Daredevil and Batman are my two. Those are my guys. Um, but yeah, so his yellow suit was his original suit. It turned to red. So he had the Frank, Frank Miller had, has control now. He does. Um, Electra first appearance. We just mentioned. Yes. Then a couple of issues later, we have the f- first run in with the Kingpin ever. And so the Kingpin actually first appeared in amazing Spider-Man number 50 in 1967. So I'll always remember that the Kingpin is a Spider-Man villain. Yep. And if Vincent, Geoforon or whatever his name is doesn't show up in the next Spider-Man movie. I'm going to be very upset. Nafrio, thank you. Needs to be in the next Spider-Man movie. So please make that happen, Marvel. Yes, yes. To see Spider-Man finally with Kingpin and Daredevil. Right, I think, yeah. I think that that would be just a sight to see. Um, And, you know, Spider-Man even in the current run and Iron Man in the current run too for daredevil um their relationships are really awesome and i think um another thing going back to these comics not being for kids when electra joins and he and and she and matt are you know bumping uglies yeah that's why those netflix shows were rated r and there was so much sex in them yeah this is why that's what the comic was like. And, yeah. and uh, him, I mean, God, Matt Murdoch, Electra, he would always go back to, she'd always break his heart. He'd always go back to her. She would always kill someone and he'd be sad. And then they'd break up <laughs> and then he'd go and bang black widow. He had that whole thing with black widow going on for a while. God, who else? Uh, oh, Karen, obviously. Yeah. That's not about Karen. Karen's important. Yes. I read, I was reading something where, <laughs> Karen like got all messed up and then she like sold the secret of Matt Murdock. Is that that's born again, right? That is the story of born again. Yeah. Okay. We'll get to that then. I won't even go into that because you know a little bit more about that than me, but I thought they, it was interesting to see these characters pop up in the shows and we'll talk Mm -hmm. about how they were portrayed later, but it is, it is cool to know that, you know, Marvel stuck to their guns and kind of reinvented these characters. Um, But you know, listen up, casuals. There's so much out there, and if you get omnibuses, that's the best way to catch up and just read it. Read these these lengthy runs because tracking down a single issues is not going to work for you. No, unless you're you, really you know really good at it and, and have, have the money. money. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, all right. Last last few here. Uh, Daredevil number one seventy four, first appearance of a hand. Very important organization in Marvel. You know, ninjas everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. 
Daredevil 176, first appearance of Stick. And yeah. Stick plays a big part in the movie. Or not the movie. Wait, both, sh- right? Did- no, the show. Just the show, right? He doesn't show yeah. the movie. Okay. No. Um, and then Daredevil number nine in 1999. This is another volume. So this is, this is much down, much later down the road. We get the first appearance of Echo. So listen up, casuals. If you've enjoyed what happened on Hawkeye this season, you know, Echo's getting her own show. She has heavy ties to the Daredevil mythos. Mm-hmm. So there's been rumors where that show may be potentially Daredevil season four in a way, which we can only hope that Matt Murdock, Daredevil, shows up on that show and we see some more Kingpin, of course. So, yes, I agree. I do like that Hawkeye heavily borrowed from that comic, Echo's comic. Um, yeah. except for it wasn't Hawkeye that in spoilers, if you haven't seen Hawkeye warning now, it wasn't Hawkeye in the comics that told her that Kingpin had her dad killed. I believe it was daredevil who tells echo. Like, I know you think that someone else killed your dad, but Kingpin did. And then echo becomes an ally. And I believe echo did a run with the Avengers. So, you know, that's that's something that I think is cool. I know Hawkeye changed up a little bit. I liked the show Hawkeye, to be honest with you. I loved it. Yeah. It, just, it was well-structured, and you have to watch the whole thing to appreciate it. You really – no, that's, that's a fact. You really do have to watch – you really should sit down and watch all of it. It is very good. Um, but mm-hmm. I think they did Echo very well. They looked for a Native American person who was also deaf and – and it was perfect. Like they actually went out. They didn't get someone to whitewash it. They actually said, nope, this is a native American character that is deaf and they actually- and handicapped. Yes. Well, I don't like, know. I don't remember. In the is that comic. like real or not? No, I mean, it's in the, in the show though. She's really disabled. Yeah. She's really disabled. Right. Man. Correct. That's amazing. That's amazing. But she's an athlete too. So right. it's right. like, it was incredible. Some of those scenes she had, she was, <sighs> She was awesome. She was just awesome. Great character. Great character to like bring into this this verse you want to build for a new generation, get people interested in characters, especially when you're not whitewashing everything. It's I it's great. It's I, I can't wait for this echo show. Same, same. Absolutely. So let's um let's talk some modern runs. We just mentioned Born Again, which was by Frank Miller. Yeah. Uh this is nineteen eighty six. It was collected into a graphic novel, but it is issues number 227 to 231. And then after that, there's like fallout issues and other things that kind of tie up the whole uh, the whole event. Mm-hmm. So you have this graphic novel. This is I this do. is kind of like your bread and butter of your introduction to Daredevil in a way. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would say reintroduction as an adult. Reintroduction. Um, you know, so I... I got back into comic collecting and COVID really accelerated that as you know. Um, And uh, I wanted to get back into daredevil and I had like six issues from my childhood. And so I actually was like, all right, what should I order online back when I was still like ordering graphic novels from Amazon. And uh, I ordered born again and had that shipped to me. And I just sat and read it and I was like, yes. Okay. I want all the comic books now. Um, but born again is important because season three of Netflix Daredevil, um, really took a lot from born again. 
Now the story was very different. Um, and it was a, the big difference is, is in born again, Karen is a heroin addict. Again, this is for kids. Um, of course, Karen is all strung out and she is like suicidal and she just completely sells Matt out to Kingpin and saying the dare daredevil is Matt Murdoch. The attorney, Matt Murdoch is daredevil, the man without fear. And so Kingpin doesn't just kill him. He destroys his life. He gets his, his law firm shut down. It, Kingpin takes everything from him and that's kind of closer to what season three was as we see a matt murdoch stripped of all things um and then it gets down to the point where he burns down matt murdoch's home in in the city it just burns it down and matt rises from the metaphorical ashes when he finds his daredevil costume puts it back on and proceeds to have a one-on-one bare knuckle brawl with the kingpin and just fucks him up, which again is what we see at the end of season three of Daredevil. So again, these parallels, they like he really and when I, I read about it and they, they were like, yeah, we, we use a lot of born again for season three mm-hmm. of uh, Netflix Daredevil. And it was I think they did a great job. Obviously, they took a lot of liberties versus the book, um, but it was very, very good. I need to read that. I have never read it. And I think I'm going to do myself that favor and do it as soon as possible. Uh, let me ask you a question. I mean, we're going to talk about the shows in a second, but it's sure. just a lingering question. When Fisk goes to jail, it's at the end of season three. And then the Punisher happens where Punisher meets him in jail. Is that how it all goes down? Or no, that's, so, that's before that. Never mind. Yeah, season, well, season one, at the end of season jail. one, Fisk goes to jail. That's right. In season two, Fisk is barely in it. He's right. like in maybe one episode, but uh, he... Daredevil's the Punisher. villain. Or not Daredevil. Punisher's the villain, in a way. So, well, the hand, really, because then it goes right. into the Electra hand mythos. Yeah. And then season three, the beginning of season three is Wilson Fisk is released from prison early. Okay. That's and, that, and then the whole... Uh, what's his name uh uh jesus i want to call him dead shot but <laughs> oh bullseye i almost said dead shot bullseye the whole bullseye portion <laughs> of that all right so as i mentioned before the man without fear miniseries by frank miller and john romita jr was one that i remember probably the most from maybe middle school when i read it when i got my hands on it uh it was like a special mini series that had these puffy covers. I think I rebought all the issues in my twenties just to just to have them. Sure, this was really a retelling of the story uh, of the origin, and I believe, as you just said, borrowed heavily upon when they did the TV show. So there's a lot of things you can see in that comic that happened, you know, in season one. So I really like this. This was my introduction, and as they usually do with characters, just kind of drop a new canon origin just to get new people involved in the character. Should I have at age 12? I don't know. 
I don't know. <laughs> wow. Um, I I do like the reinventions. I I think that as long as there's there's key parts that they stick with, you know, um, like that he's blind. Yes. <laughs> like that is that's like if they're gonna reinvent him, fine, but like you know, if he's blind, <laughs> oh new daredevil, he could see. He has to be Irish Catholic because that plays into it. I got into a Facebook thing, by the way, with <laughs> someone where I posted how people are being ridiculous because Kamala Khan is the first Muslim Marvel superhero or Kamala Khan or however you say her name. Uh, Miss Marvel. Miss right. Marvel is the first Muslim Marvel superhero. And, you know, that people were being jerks about that. So someone responded with, there's no other comic books that like bring up the character's religion. Why is it so important here? And I'm like, really? You've got Captain America who says he's a good Christian boy. You got Daredevil where it's all based upon his, you know, Catholic religion or Thor and Norse mythology and Norse religions like this. Yes. So it's, it is a big deal. It's part of these mythos. So white characters and then a pantheon that nazis worshipped right is okay but not muslims and other religions apparently apparently Got so it. exactly okay so Got again it. that's a, but that's a staple of daredevil is he inside of him this inner right. turmoil of god versus the devil angels versus demons that he feels the entire battle for heaven and hell is happening inside of him <laughs> Which, you know, honestly, is still, it still makes it relatable. <laughs> so yeah. relatable because it's based on real things. Yes. It's based on questioning faith. And am I doing the right thing? Am I becoming the devil because I'm, I'm, I'm bringing violence to the street that may be either working or making it worse? Yeah. You know, that's always a question about Batman. Yeah, I don't understand that shit. So anyways, um, next up, Daredevil number 500. He becomes the leader of the hand. This is 2009. And shortly after, we have a huge event called Shadowland. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, this is all written by Andy Diggle. Mm -hmm. um, included Daredevil's number 508 through 512. Mm -hmm. And then also Shadowland miniseries, along with, of course, Endless Titans. Did you read oh, any of this? I did this not read a, any of Shadowlands. Some crazy stuff. Uh, I it's been a long time since I I've touched it. So yeah, I thought this was a really good step for the character. Change this costume again to a very cool gray and red, mm -hmm. uh, much more ninjas. Like you can hide, you can hide yeah. the shadows, You're not so glaring, but he's still got the red. So he's, he's, he's not too secrety, but to take over the hand and then to be basically a villain. Uh, this was a really neat thing to do with daredevil because I, you know, as much as you want to say, characters do run their course. And it's like, if you can just, if you're going to keep rebooting it and rewriting it, you might as well try something new. And these kind of things really work for me, in my opinion. Th that's fair. I don't know. Like for me, the, Matt Murdock and his, his sense of justice. But then again, I could see that working as a villain as well with that sense of he, he is self-righteous at times. The best villain is the one who thinks they're doing good. They're always the best villain, in sure. my opinion. Dar uh, Darth so Vader, motivated. 
Darth Vader, Thanos, all characters that thought that they were they were in the right, like genuinely. And those are the all. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's very true. So I and like you were just saying about it, Daredevil before was he has this mental struggle and he's obviously a little mentally disturbed, probably in a way, you know, um, like Batman. And oh yeah, here we we were, I'm just gonna keep mentioning Batman here. Sorry. Well, the, these but are two just, characters so that really parallel. go hand. Yeah, yes. With it's funny because bats have sonar, so I guess it is kind of a non copycat character, but well, it's the pe- best one to copy in a very original way. <laughs> well, people say if if you would have told me like 90 years ago that there was a guy that was blind and used echolocation to get around and there was another guy who was super rich and had a death wish but <laughs> they're not called what you think they're called <laughs> like you know they're they're named incorrectly and and it's true you can really you can really do that interesting yeah they both have horns they do they do all right, all right. <laughs> we'll just have to do a batman versus daredevil show sometime oh that'd be just wild yell, just yell at each other about similarities we'll do a whole show about similarities that's what we'll do. there you this go this character is this they definitely this copy him. rip off anyway um cl- anyways closing we? out key where i don't know anymore we're in hell's kitchen um closing out key issues in modern runs both mark wade and charles soul did runs mark wade 2011 2014 Charles Soule did it from 2015 to 2018. Rock and I talk about Charles Soule all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Star, Wars. Star Wars and yep. more. Um, I didn't read as much Mark Wade Daredevil. I have some of it, and I liked what I read. But this is actually considered some of the best Daredevil ever written by fans. Um, and then I really enjoyed uh, Charles Soule run with, I'm trying to remember what his little sidekick he, he had there for a little bit. Um, but good stuff yeah. very good stuff and all of this all of these notes i'll put in the uh, the show notes so that you know if any of you out there want to check out these comics a little reminder will be here for you oh that's that's yes please go get the comics go read them enrich yourself so we're at the point now where i'd like to have you talk about the modern comics that are that are happening that are being released now where are our characters in modern continuity thank you for asking um this <laughs> i am currently reading daredevil um you know in terms of two different comics well let's call it two different events um because the daredevil run the run that is daredevil is done in itself it's coming back as a number one and it's, I believe, going to be helmed by Zadarsky like it has been. And it, it's ended into uh, kind of two portions. There's Devil's Reign, which is an entire event spanning many different comic books. And then there is The Woman Without Fear, which is a three, just a three-part um, comic series of Elektra being Lady Daredevil. Um, and she is now Lady Daredevil. And this all spurred from how the comic, the actual Daredevil run ended. And how it ended is Daredevil goes to prison. 
and he puts himself there. Um, he goes on a regular nightly patrol. He runs into some bad guys as per usual, and he accidentally kills one of them in the struggle. And he is saying, how is he any better? How is he above the law? That he be, be, he should be punished for what he did. And so he's out patrolling and Spider-Man sees him and says, Matt, you're done, man. You killed someone like, you know how we do. We don't kill people. I don't want, if I see you with the mask on, I'm going to take you down. Like, so he completely stops being daredevil. And then he decides to go out on a run one night, just with the costume on, like, you know, kind of like a fuck Spider-Man. And he runs into Iron Man and Iron Man is doing his own thing in New York city, some type of Avengers level threat. And he takes Matt out and Tony Stark is explaining to him like, dude, that's collateral damage. That's life, man. You kill some of these guys sometimes who cares? Like you're, was he going to be a rocket scientist? Like, was he going to do something to really like, like, I'm sorry, but you're, you're not going to do anything from prison. Like, you're how you're not gonna be able to protect people from prison yes when you said he takes them out i thought you said he took them out then i realized he took them out for like a drink yes correct (laughs) (laughs) yeah um oh oh wait a minute okay (laughs) but like it's just great took him out exactly for beer yeah for for a nice stiff drink for a nightcap (laughs) um no but like i just thought it i i love the the dichotomy there in the conversation so he talks to spider-man spider-man's like pissed and is just like dude i will take you down if i see you out and iron man is go out like who cares you you sometimes you kill people do you know how many people i've killed i sleep fine i'm tony stark and and so through a law that had been enacted you can turn yourself in as a superhero with your mask on. So you're incarcerated. They take everything from you, but your mask. Oh, jeez. So he decides, so he goes to Electra and he says, listen, I'm turning myself in. I'm going to do what Peter tells me, what Peter Parker said. I'm going to do what Spider-Man said. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to serve my time like anyone else. And I'm going to leave. And, but I need someone to protect hell's kitchen while I'm in prison. I can't just leave it. And Electra's like, I, you know, I love you. You're my love, blah, 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 blah. I'll do it for you. And he's like, but you can't kill anyone, which is something you love to do. And now there's the offshoot, the woman without fear, which is running, which is happening now where she, uh, the last issue, she fights Craven the hunter. Nice. And uh, it's uh, woman without fear is action porn. And there is, yeah. And she is toiling with the whole, like, I'm not going to kill anyone thing. So she has her own struggle with it. Correct. And then he, so now he's in prison. He realizes that they're using um, incorrect slave labor, or they're using illegal slave labor in the prison. (laughs) Solving crimes in prison, even. Matt Murdock starts a prison riot and nearly kills himself, nearly kills the uh, warden in a confrontation, Matt Murdock or daredevil. Cause he's constantly wearing his mask. And uh, he also talks. What I really like too is like, he talked to a lot of the people of color that were incarcerated and he learned unfairly. a lot about, unfairly. Yes. And he learned a lot about equity and justice. Like 
he tried to do his typical Matt Murdock speech on justice. And they're like, we don't want to hear it. There's two different justice systems. And then Matt got to learn more about people of color, which I thought that was a cool little injection into that, which I thought was really neat. Um, and then obviously he leaves the prison um, and Kingpin is pissed because now he's mayor and he goes to his files to see who Daredevil is and all the papers are blank. <laughs> and that's because I can't remember the name of this villain, but Daredevil made a deal with him to like create a hypnosis all over the world that no one ever knew that Matt Murdock was Daredevil and it included Kingpin and he opened it and realized there's I don't know who Daredevil is I I, th- I thought I did though I could have sworn I did so now yeah, I was just gonna ask about that I was like wait didn't he know yes so he's like wait I knew this why don't I know I feel like something sinister happened to make this happen so then he starts make so then he creates um the mask laws and en- enlists the thunderbolts to enforce the mask laws and the mask laws are not like ours during covid there you can't wear <laughs> you can't wear masks um yes sounds like another book we were reading <laughs> oh Future oh yeah sounds like gotham and future state a little bit too it it does it really does like it has a lot of that um so then how we where we're at now is that the superheroes are laying low and um they decide that they want to run a superhero for mayor opposing fisk (laughs) and everyone decides it's going to be tony stark who's going to run for mayor of new york city when they all stop and Jessica Jones, wife of Luke Cage, um, says Luke should do it um, because we think that he really speaks more for the people than a billionaire, you know, a a street level, you know, person of color. And so now Luke Cage is currently running for mayor of New York City versus Wilson Fisk. That is what Devil's Reign is partially. That's the main story of Devil's Reign. And Daredevil and this group of ragtag superheroes, some Avengers, some Defenders, are like just trying to survive in New York. Awesome. That's where Daredevil is right now. That's amazing. I really want to read that. That sounds even even after all the spoilers, I won't remember them. So no, no, that's great. Um, So the the Electra thing is called Women Woman Without Fear, right? It's Daredevil Daredevil the Woman Without Fear. Okay. So she's not called Lady Daredevil, right? I mean, I, I, that's kind of like my headcanon name that I've been given her. <laughs> but they've been saying, I think some characters have said Lady Daredevil or, oh, you're not really Daredevil. You're the lady, you know, like. <laughs> but she looks awesome in the Daredevil costume. I love it. And when you get to see them running together in their separate Daredevil costumes, that was awesome. Oh, and she got Tony Stark to make her some pretty cool tech. Awesome. Yeah, I don't I don't think she's given up that moniker either for a while because they just did a preview for Savage Avengers number one again. And she's a part of that team. As so, Lady Daredevil or Electra? Yeah, as as the Lady Daredevil. That's awesome. I'm I'm really happy with it. Um I really like it. 
and I really get annoyed again at, at, at listen up casuals. There's a lot of people online that get really, really mad when things change. <laughs> Matt, Matt Murdoch is not going to stop being daredevil, but Electra is now going to also take up that moniker. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Electra is an established character that has had an on and off love affair with Matt Murdoch since before I was born. So deal with it. Yeah, I think at this point, anybody who has that mindset is not listening to us, I would hope. But if you are, I'm really tired of it. So you can stop yeah. listening. Yeah, I'm no with offense, you. But I oh, love everyone and I try to get along, but I'm really tired of this, this, this hate everything. If you don't have like an intelligent point of view, please, please don't bring it to the table. Please don't share it on social media. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, I am all about, I am all about, you know, let's, let's use a better palette instead of the typical white savior as our superheroes. Like, and I really like that the comics are talking about that. Yes. You know, Tony Stark pulls up and is like, I'm running for mayor. And they're like, Tony, we don't think that's a good idea. We, you know, you're another out of touch billionaire. You're an Avenger. Like they say that to him, like you've saved the galaxy. How many times? Yep. You know, and it, it's power man's time. So I, I think, Hell yeah. Yeah. I think that that's great. I think that that's just wonderful. But anyway. All right. Well, I want that. I want that election button. And well, you're finding that for me. We're going to go to a quick commercial break and we will be back talking about daredevil movies, TV and more. DFAT Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com, the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. DFAT Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with DFAT Comics. Hey, come take a seat at the campfire. You're not the only one who joins. I've got friends that come over sometimes, too. We talk about a ton of interesting things from geek culture. Then we cover some conspiracies or philosophical thoughts or monsters. You know, we talked about Bigfoot in one episode. It's a lot of fun, so come join me at the Campfire Chats, a DFAT entertainment podcast hosted on Spotify and other fine places you find podcasts. Need more context on your favorite movie? Is Obama... Obama. As okay, Senator Obama. Ever wonder why they did or didn't do that thing or include that scene? This is prime. Like, this is Perfect this is Freddy. quality entertainment. Check out Gutsy Media Podcast as my friends and I take a deep dive into everything from blockbusters to indie films. The weakest apple cider bitch beers. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. That's Gutsy Media Podcast for everything movies. We are back. So listen up, casuals. We're talking Daredevil. And this is Chris. And this is Rocco. And we're at our second part of the show where we're going to talk about the visual media, the moving pictures, whether it is the moving pictures on your television or the ones at your movie theater. Daredevil has been in both. And there was one of which we wish he wasn't there. The movie dropped in 2000 and what? 2003. Three, yeah. So we're talking... Early comic book days, comic book movies. Uh, X-Men and Spider-Man were huge, and they were trying right. to capitalize on 
they were already property. into those heavies you know we had already passed through the late 90s with blade and testing the waters and it would have been amazing to get a daredevil movie that people liked yeah there are aspects of this movie that i do like but overall it's not really a good movie at all it's no it's not i could turn it on the tv and have it on the background but yeah i i don't know what else to say about it um it was directed and written by mark stephen johnson it starred big names like ben affleck jennifer garner colin farrell michael clark duncan mm-hmm. r.i.p john yep. favreau yep and many more kevin smith played the coroner yeah. like uh, joe pantoliano oh joe pantoliano was um oh man ben urich ben urich that's right the journalist yeah. ben urich i just i thought that it was too it was campy yeah like they went too far into the comic to where it was almost like an adam west batman and uh, there's a time and a place for that and this wasn't the time nor was it the place also you expect me to believe that jennifer garner's electra like you expect me as as a person human being you expect me to believe that jennifer garner is going to pull off electra i'm sorry she's not it's really funny because i should have put the electra movie on here and i didn't because i forgot it existed and I wish I, I wish I could forget. I wish. There's ways, my friend. There are ways. That's true. Um, yeah, I I remember the playground scene, and I'm just like, this is garbage. What are they doing? Yeah, I was. And I in... can take. I can deal with campiness. I can deal with what, like Aquaman and and things like that, and enjoy it, but it has to kind of match up with what you're doing. Yeah. That's not daredevil. Exactly. There was no, it was, you know, way too much of the comic. Ben Affleck was overacting. Um, I think Favreau did a great job as Foggy Nelson. Um, I, I, you know, great job to him. Um, I Michael Clark Duncan, I think he made a great kingpin I personally. Uh, what, Joe, a, what a good choice to to change the race on that as well. Yeah, and he pulled it off. He pulled it off well. Um, uh, you know, he was a Wilson Fisk. He looked like a Wilson Fisk, and that's it. Big dude. <laughs> and then Joe, yeah, and then Joe Pantoliano, like you said, as uh, Ben Urich again. I thought he was great. Um, very these these characters were the comic books leapt off of the comic and onto the screen, but it was there were it was uneven. There were moments where it was meant to be very serious, and there were moments that it was campy. And I was like, "Well, you need to pick one, like pick a lane and stay in that lane, please." It's like what Joel Schumacher did the Batman movies. Yes, right. I mean, yes. I love Joel Schumacher as a director, but those movies, they were they're bad they, they they are and i'm a, i can appreciate like 1960s batman and that's sure. definitely what they homaged a lot in those movies but coming off two tim burton's you know i'm almost like well what if tim burton did daredevil you know, oh so. well, that would be god that'd be wild so 
I, I'm excited because at least we're at a point where actually I want to ask you this before we, we go any farther, because I do want to talk about Kellen Farrell. Okay. Um, and his bullseye portrayal. Sure. And you need to tell me which one you didn't like. Colin Farrell. I didn't you don't like, like that one. I didn't like the Colin Farrell one. I don't think <sighs> he was over the top. So, okay. I know Bullseye as a psychopath, like an absolute psychopath, but also emotionless, not very emotional. Where Colin Farrell definitely had his his bullseye had a lot of mental issues, but like he was just like like an angry Irish dude. You know what I mean? Like I I didn't see and we're gonna talk about Daredevil the show. That wasn't that also wasn't bullseye but it was it was just portrayed in a different way but i really loved the way that they reinvented that i thought that that was a great way to reinvent it but i didn't like it was almost lazy with what they did with colin farrell like their reinvention of it was just eh, colin farrell colin farrell it up right we're gonna we're probably gonna kill this guy off it doesn't matter in that time period, it was it was one and done with these villains. Mm-hmm. Instead of being smart and going the comic book cyclical, cyclical, whatever the word is, since I have a bad grasp on the English language, um, you know, it's just for somebody who enjoys over the top stuff. Honestly, this movie was too much for me being a Daredevil fan. And like I said, I'll watch it. I don't like myself when I watch it, but at least we have the TV show. And then, like you know, the DD showing up in in fire, and like the crow, yeah, like the crow, and like you know, I don't know. It just seemed when he goes into the bar and beats everyone up, and time to pay the devil is due. Like I never remember <laughs> Matt. I never remember Matt Murdock ever talking like that. Why are you talking like that? And then his stick, his his blind person stick which also had a little devil insignia on it like what if you ever drop that and someone like well just trying to help you to be nice because like you're blind um what i did like was i liked the the visual effects to the echolocation i really did like that the hospital scene in the beginning when he woke up as a boy after the accident i i agree with you absolutely uh the way they portray him and the way they portray his power is is pretty interesting in that movie. And they and I, it was a lot of fun to watch it in that regard. Uh, but I also think they do a much better job in the show. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we didn't want to say we didn't want to talk about the Electra movie, and honestly, that's fine. Um, I'll, I'll give you a, a brief synopsis. Jennifer Garner plays Electra and not well for an hour and a half. Uh, moving on, that sounds um, about right. <laughs> so what uh he had other appearances right i mean daredevil in television well we saw your did. list do you want to do you want me to go through these this other media before we talk about the tv show yeah yeah lead in, lead into it because really there was there have been no daredevil movies no daredevil shows before before the 2000s but they sure as hell tried uh, in 1975, and this is 
this is all borrowed from wiki so this is going to sound very semi-professional all right um so i like just, it i'm not taking credit for it 1975 angela bowie secured the tv rights to daredevil and the black widow for a duration of one year and planned a tv series based on the two characters so you mentioned that before when he had his little uh soiree with black widow oh yeah um, imagine that on tv yeah i mean that was put the whole there's a whole small group of um comics in that frank miller omnibus i have where it's their like torrid love affair nice imagine like we would have gotten exposure to black widow before the mcu exactly anyways again in 1983 abc planned a live action daredevil pilot which fell through sounds about right all right but remember when we we were talking our thor show and Thor actually appeared in live action TV on The Incredible Hulk. So did Daredevil, portrayed by Rex Smith. He appeared in 1989 on NBC's live action uh, television film, The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. So you imagine how Mad Murdock fits into this as a trial. Yeah. So Mad Murdock does play a big role in this. But the kind of the cool thing we get here is John Rhys Davies plays the Kingpin. And he's not called the kingpin in this. I forget what the name of the character is. Um, he's not referred to him at all, but this is Wilson Fisk. And I never knew this until today, actually. So oh, I need wow. to really check this out because I love John Rice Davies. Yeah, he's fantastic. Everything he's done has been great, always. In the 80s, I remember a little cartoon called Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. Daredevil did show up on that. So maybe that was my first exposure to Daredevil. It could have been. I watched that on... Uh, what was it? Two, four, and snow back in the day. So, oh, wow. um, good times, good times. Kids these days have no idea what technology was like in the eighties. Um, <laughs> also in the eighties, get this: ABC have planned a Daredevil animated television series that would have featured a guide dog named Lightning the Super Dog. That sounds right up Daredevil's alley. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. I'm glad that didn't work out. It's like Lucky the Pizza Dog, but not good. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Those guys definitely stole that idea from that. So, And then finally, what you just mentioned earlier, uh, Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four 90s cartoons. If you have not watched any of those, check them out on Disney Plus because they have all of them. Yep. I mean, there was a ton of different Marvel cartoons in the 90s. They were all the same kind of animation. Mm-hmm. It did some crossovers here and there, but Daredevil showed up on both Spider-Man and Fantastic Four. That was go. a theme song. That's you gotta love, good. you gotta love those old '90s shows. Those are the best. I love them, but love it them. all they're really bad, but they're good. Yeah, they're good because of how bad they are. But they all culminated. All of this that we discussed culminated into what I think is literal perfection, and that is the Netflix show daredevil when marvel and netflix teamed up to do in essence really let's just say the defenders because that's what it was just call them marvel knights please there you go marvel marvel knights i'm just gonna do this right now just to get the bitching out of the way but the defenders thing was the defenders was horrible it was a horrible crossover and it was very lackluster yes and 
And my problem with it is like you stole one of the best like superhero team names and threw it to to the streets, essentially. Um, and it's just it really just left a sour taste in my mouth. And now I'm done. I um there are parts of that I didn't like, but there are parts of it I really did like. Um sure. But it, it was overall I would say the term lackluster is perfect yeah. um, for what it was. But if we start with season one of daredevil, which really <laughs> kicked off this entire universe, um, what one can refer to is the hallway scene. Um, and that is a scene that is referred to quite often. I want to say it's in the second or third episode, maybe I'd have to look, but either way, I've watched multiple breakdowns of, of this scene. It's, it's this hallway and he doesn't have his costume yet. He's, he's got a black mask over his face. He's wearing like a sweatshirt and some pants and some like army boots and he goes into a building where he's very heavily outnumbered. He has no idea what kind of weapons they have. He just tortured a guy to find the location of this place by shoving something under his eyelid, which was pretty rough. And all he knows is that there is a scared and kidnapped little boy at the end of this hallway. And what you be, what you see is absolute brutal carnage down this hallway as Matt, as Daredevil fights. Well, really, at the time they were calling him the devil of Hell's Kitchen, but regardless, um, was fighting his way through. Yeah, just fighting his way through these guys. Stealing like, Jesus fishes. Pretty much. Um, they're just and what's great is what not only what they did on camera, what, what they did off camera, where. Matt would get pulled into a room or he'd go into a room and all you'd hear is a bunch of noises. And then someone, either Matt or someone else would come flying out the door and then like he would just come out. But what was really unique about this is that it was the first time you saw a superhero that was gassed, that was tired. Like towards the end of the fight, he's like leaning on the wall, just breathing heavily. And then he just sees a dude get up. He just gets back into his like boxer stance and then just pummels the shit out of him. And he's just so tired. And, and at the end of the hallway, after everyone is unconscious, he pauses in front of the door, knowing there's a little kid on the other side who probably heard everything that just occurred. He takes his mask off. And he goes in and rescues the boy and returns the boy to his family. To me, that set the tone for what the rest of this show is going to be. And to me, that really solidified this version of Matt Murdock, which I see now written into the current comics. Down to the costume. Amazing season. It is the best season of, in my opinion, of the Netflix shows, period. It set, like you said, it started this whole world off perfectly. Yeah. It gave us an R-rated character that we deserved. Yes. And they took that leap. You know, Jeff Loeb did a salad for us. And I remember going to Comic-Con around this time and the way that he talked about Charlie Cox. 
and saying that like the minute he met Charlie Cox, he knew that this was Matt Murdock. This was going to be Daredevil. And I, you know, that was a really neat time for me because like writing for DFAT mm-hmm. and, and, and going to these conventions for that reason just gave me an, like a different appreciation for the media and what goes into like the creation of this next level. Mm-hmm. People, like you said earlier, people make fun of like us for like reading comics, but people don't realize how TV shows and movies are made. They're made from storyboards, which are comics. Exactly. The amount of things that you're watching, listen up casuals, the amount of things that you're watching on television that actually were comic books um, you know, that a lot of people just, they don't know or, or didn't notice, um, you know, look up some of these things, you know, movies from comics, and you will be surprised as to how many movies you've seen that were comic books. Road to Perdition. Yeah, Road to Perdition, yep. yep. There's, a, oh, there's another one by the, the guy who played like the king in, in Lord of the Rings. It's just all of these it's so important to realize like comic books aren't just superheroes. Mm -hmm. This medium covers such a spance of creation. And now we're reaping the benefits of being geeks and being a fan of this for so long, because now the medium of television has reached that level where we can experience visual media as is. So Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm excited that we've, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm, I'll finish here. I'm excited that the mediums have crossed mm-hmm. because they're heavily influencing each other and we're all the best, better for it. Oh, 100%. And the thing is that, you know, I have come to learn from reading older comics is that comic books captured the zeitgeist of what was current. You know, there's a lot in, in comics now, there's a lot of social justice there's a lot of questioning. Um, there are a ton. Yes, yes. I just want to mention because what you said about Frank Miller earlier and the way he wrote New York City at the, in the late 70s, early 80s, as is, and maybe this dialogue was semi-racist. It could be looked at this way because everything is so different these days. Sure. Was Frank Miller racist? No. He was writing The Times. Yeah. And look at, like, Go on, but that is exactly like just in terms of Daredevil alone. But if we go back to like black superheroes, mm-hmm. all that stuff, it's so important to realize the voice that comic books have given everybody. Absolutely, and and people like I can't stand the whole uh, they're changing comic books to, to they're making everything social justice, and it's like you haven't been paying attention. The X Men was an allegory for civil rights in the sixties. Um, like, you know, Superman was an allegory to illegal immigrant, to immigration, to, you know, um, these are things that have existed for so long that you have chosen to ignore. Um, and now they're reinventing a lot of these heroes, um, but they're doing it in great ways. Like, you know, Batman now is, is reinventing himself in terms of, you know, Oh, Batman just protects rich people. You know, he got that thrown into his face. And now in the comics, he's currently experiencing that and trying to understand and grow from that. And then you have, you know, Daredevil, which we've been speaking of, 
and really the the dirty underground New York City and and just the terrible things that go on. Um, you know, the show really depicted that from the comics. And, you know, there's a there's a scene where Foggy is asking um, Charlie Cox character, uh, you know, Matt, you know, why do you do this? And he said, you know, I ha- we had a girl come into the office once and, you know, she was was all bloodied up. And she said that, you know, if he doesn't get put away, if he doesn't get arrested, if you can't help me get him arrested then he said he's going to come back and he's going to stab me to death and I'm going to die and this and that. And Matt said, so when we closed up the office that night, I followed her, which inevitably got me to him. I got to him. I beat him within an inch of his life. And I told him to leave. And she came back the next day. So happy. And he is gone. And now we know, now we know that she's safe. He, she didn't get killed. And social social justice. Yeah, I mean, not not just that, but just these these questions of of morality and what it is, and the fact that you know these comic books and these shows, this show in particular, didn't hold back any of it. Um, again, another great conversation with Foggy and and Matt when they're in the living room, and Matt is like, it's almost like Matt's addicted to the costume. And and Foggy is trying to take it from him. And he says, how do you exactly, how do you find out that you can do this? How do you find out that, oh, I can stalk and beat the shit out of bad people? He was explaining his hearing, how his super hearing works, how he can hear everything. And how week after week, night after night, he would hear a little girl three buildings down whose dad liked to come in at night. And it wasn't to tuck her in. And he said, and I listened to that for months straight. And it was torture that I could hear that. And it was like, I was meant to hear it because one night, and then it shows when he followed him in the train tracks. And again, he beat the living fuck out of the guy. And, and the fact is, is we're talking about a very heavy subject there. And this isn't like the Avengers fighting aliens this is why I love the show. This is why it was real. Everything you just said is, is what the character is about is why I've always liked Matt Murdoch from the fact that he would take a loaf of bread for a case. Mm-hmm. He is above and beyond like that, that good human being. And he takes it to the next level when he puts that costume on. And I work in the public sector. Mm-hmm. I don't want to disclose what I do, but I work in these situations where I see that kind of same kind of stuff and you feel helpless because the systems are broken. And the way they can write this in comics and make everybody aware of these social issues and injustices, you're not going to find that in your typical superhero comic. No. And that's why it's fun it's fun to read these other ones. Mm-hmm. It's fun to learn about the God of thunder or this Patriot who is super strong and would always do the right thing. But what happens to everybody else in this world? What happens to the forgotten people? Yeah. And that's why I love street level 
heroes because you you know that they're fighting for the common man exactly exactly and i think season one really really captured that um what i loved is i loved when i finally got to see him in full costume in the last episode when um i love how they have uh what's his name the gladiator uh building in the comics he's known as the gladiator oh my god uh potter melvin potter he built him his um his eskrima stick he built he and he created his like he created his um oh that the guy that created his costumes yeah yes that and, yes in the comics that's the gladiator okay okay um which is he's a he's an off and on villain for daredevil in the comics and um you know he when he had that costume on for the first time it blew my mind i absolutely adore that costume and then in season two, season two became less about street level and more about the mythos of the hand, which I liked it because I really liked the reintroduction of stick. And I really liked the Punisher aspect of it. And I liked that he was pretty much in costume the entire season. I love that costume. Um, the opening, the first, the first five minutes is awesome. There's a couple thieves. They're running. One of them pulls a gun on a cop, and Matt gra- and Matt grabs him and beats the fuck out of him. And then the the thieves try to cut through like a Chinese restaurant in the kitchen, and Matt gets in the kitchen and just beats them senseless. And then one of the the last thief grabs a girl hostage brings her into a church and just the symbolism there. He brings her into a church and the camera is fuzzy at the altar and it, it begins to, to, to focus. And as it focuses, the devil is standing at the altar in the church. And you know that this dude is not getting out of there. (laughs) And, and, that's how season two opened, and I I loved that. I season I loved two. No, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was just gonna say season season three. I loved I loved the return of the kingpin. I love. Well, let's let's wait on that because okay. I do want to talk about. Okay. Yes. Yes. I want to wait because season two is extremely important. Please. Season please. three we talked a little bit about before, but we do need to talk about Electra and the Punisher because yeah. this is these are two huge things. John Berthnall as the Punisher was good to great. I wasn't a huge fan of the standalone show. I'm not a fan of the Punisher unless he's doing crazy ass shit. Honestly, um, you don't need to tell me about a story. He needs to show up and be the Punisher like he did in Daredevil season two, which they use as a basic backdoor pilot for yes. this character, but also paying homage to how the comics, you know, played out as well. Um, it's to say it's not street level is correct. Um, it gets huge. It gets yes. very busy. It get, like it was two different stories, basically, right? Um, and not only that, Elodie Young, um, her her Electra was awesome. Oh I, yeah, coming from a whitewashed character to this was just much much better. I I get it. I get what you have to do in in casting sometimes and 
whatever in the politics, but this, they sold me completely on her. Oh yeah. She was incredible. She was, she was absolutely incredible as Electra. Every time she was on the screen, she was great. Their relationship is fantastic. Um, you know, towards the end where she's like, this is a trap. Like you're going to go like those people are just to separate us. Like, and he go, and she's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to get them out. Cause they're in there because of me. And he explodes through the freaking windows and just, he took two bullets and still just went ham on them. And he's just a guy. He doesn't, he's not captain America. He's not Thor. The bullets don't bounce off of him. They went inside of him. <laughs> and I, I loved, I loved that. Um, it was, it was just awesome. But yeah, their, their relationship was, was just great. And then the end when uh, right before they fought all the hand soldiers, they were like waiting at the roof and they're talking and they're like, when we get out of here, let's just disappear, you know, unless we die. And they're like panting, you know, and then he like puts, you know, puts his daredevil hat and just kind of cracks the neck. And it's like, all right, let's go. Uh, let's go fuck some shit up. It's yeah. like, yeah, just I loved her. Yeah, I, I, I really loved and we'll talk about season three because it was great as well. But just the pa- the pacing for these shows, when when they're on, mm-hmm. is perfect. We know there's there's definitely some low points to the Netflix shows, but for the most part, they did a good job, like really depicting Marvel Knights for me at least. Mm-hmm. I have very little qualms with it. I thought that the actors they assigned to the to the roles did a great job, and what the actors brought to the screen. They did a good job as well. Um, so let's uh, let's jump into season three because we talked a little bit about that before and the homage to Born Again. Yes, correct. Um, I really thought that they nailed the 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 psychopath that is Bullseye. First of okay. all, um, obviously he was reinvented, but the fire that was stoked in him by Fisk, um, that whole origin, that scene where he murders his coach with the baseball, like, you know, that memory of that, like that was wild. I mean, the whole thing all the way through, my only complaint is that Matt, not one point dons the suit. Yeah. That Bob, that pissed me off to be honest with you. That is the only thing that pissed me off. But that final episode, damn he puts on the muay thai ropes and he's he's going in there with i'm going to kill wilson fisk tonight and when he he just is pummeling his face in their penthouse and he he just gets down on his knees and he pulls his mask off and i want you to look at me in the face because i won like that was it was incredible. All of this, all of this talk has made me want to rewatch that show. Honestly, I've been kind of struggling with what to watch next in this limbo. And I, and I always feel like watching a show a second time, a third time is very important. And I really haven't watched that a second time. Maybe season one. I have, but I've lost count I need, with how many times I've watched all of it. Yeah. I'm just going to do it again because it is worth it. All of it. 
the entire run of Daredevil. And I was sad to see the Netflix shows go, you know, for the most part, except for Finn Jones being a moron shitty guy. Um, I just, I, I loved, I loved Daredevil all seasons. I loved both Jessica Jones seasons. It was two seasons, right? For that. Yeah, it was. Luke Cage was mediocre to good. And, and I love the actor. The actor. I, I love my Coter. Oh, I want to see him. I want to see him do more Luke Cage. Thunderbolts. I, I, I want to see Luke Cage in better shows. But this actor. If they if they don't bring him back for Thunderbolts, I'll be upset. Because no. there, there was a time where he led the Thunderbolts and it would be a perfect way to lead to bring him back into the MCU. Because you know they're planning it. It's mm-hmm. coming. They want to compete with the Suicide Squad. They've been recruiting all these villains. Like, if if Elaine doesn't do that, <laughs> then, you know, oh, Madam Elaine. Elaine, as we'll call her. Exactly. She is, that woman gets more beautiful with age. I'm sorry, but she does. Oh, my gosh. I just, um, I restarted Curb. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, because I, last time I started to watch it again, it was like season six. And I watched mm-hmm. on to the to the present time, but I haven't. I've watched the old ones, but it was so long ago, and I just went through that whole episode with her where she had to meet like that guy. Mm. She's like, I can't, I can't stay here. Like, where is this guy? I, That's... I love, I love her. I she's love her so she's wonderful. She's absolutely Julia wonderful. Louis Dreyfus. Now. That brings us, I think, to our last piece is, and the culmination of all of this was a huge round of applause that was in our theater and that I specifically had, even with a woo, like a shout in the theater. I did that. Me too, buddy. Me too. Uh, when, only one. Well, only one. Really, our theater was whoop. Well, was people whooping. were clapping. Yeah. But I was like, I was that guy. Yeah. Was- well, you got to be. You got to rep. Um, but when, when Matt Murdock showed up on the screen in no way home, I, I said before, if I was a betting man, I would have bet that I would have bet Wilson Fisk. I was ready for all of that. You can go back to December's episodes of Tower talk, (laughs) but anyways, there you go. I, um, and our, and our pre up, our pre talk for the Thor episode, which I just put out was recorded right before no way home. And all most of those most of those, uh, those wishes they came true, they came true. true. So true. this idea that they had this contract of how long they had to wait until they could use these characters again has expired, mm-hmm. and finally we get the meeting of you know Matt Murdock and Peter Parker for the first time ever. And and, and it's funny because at the end and and my my daughter said this she's eight. At the end of Far From Home, when J. Jonah Jameson said Spider-Man is Peter Parker, and he murdered um, uh, Mysterio, I turned to my daughter and I said, we're getting Daredevil in the next movie. And my daughter goes, how do you know that, Daddy? And I go, because he's going to need a good lawyer. That's right. And if there's no way... Because how many times in the comics has Peter Parker needed a lawyer and it's been Matt? Too many. You can't not. You can't not do that. And I think that Kevin Feige and that team knows that. And oh, yeah. I mean, they did know that because that's what we got. 
and in no way home sure as shit you know he catches a brick and how did how did you do that i'm a like i said as i said i'm a very good lawyer <laughs> yeah i mean that's exactly it and it's like if you're a longtime fan you're you saw that coming a, a mile away like another thing in the in the horizon of book of boba fett but that's another talk for another day and these these payoffs these payoffs for being good fans good fans mm-hmm. have been some of the greatest things that i've experienced in my life because even when when wilson fisk showed up on that security footage in hawkeye and we all were talking about it and i said this needs to happen this is how you do it and it happened and they know what they're doing they they know who their fans are and they also know how to bring in that new audience and get them excited about things because oh i'm a casual sitting in the audience why is everybody celebrating i'm gonna go find out exactly exactly so with that being said chris you got anything else to add i don't man i um I I'm excited for the next appearance of Daredevil and and the Kingpin. I don't think he's spoiler alert. I don't think he's dead. They I'm didn't sure. show him die on screen, which is how it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we will see both characters return in Echo, and we will eventually see both characters show up in Spider Man, and Wilson Fisk will be the villain of the next Spider-Man movie. I certainly hope so. And I do have a sneaky suspicion just due to She-Hulk and her being a lawyer as well, that we're going to see Matt Murdock there as well. Absolutely. Especially since that's more of a comedy show, we're going to see a a different side. We won't get so crazy into the street side, but Matt Murdock will show up and it will be fun and entertaining. And I can't wait for that show. I can't wait for it. It's going to be awesome. All right. Well, with that being said, um, make sure that you are listening to everything on the DFAT network. That is Towel Light Talk, Critical Mass, Gutsy Media Podcast, Insensitive Culture. The list goes on and on and on. Make sure you're listening to everyone and everything all the time. This is all you should be doing is listening to our podcasts. DFATentertainment.com, as Rocco just said. And hey, you and I just had a good talk about how this show is going to look in the future. I hope everybody out there who's listening enjoys it. Tell your friends. Um, we're all in this together because this is quite the ride that we've experienced across all the geeky zeitgeist from Star Wars to Marvel to DC. We're, we are reaping the benefits of everything we've loved from childhood until now. So come for this ride with us because we're here to discuss the basics and more about your favorite comic book property. So this is Chris signing off. And this is Rocco. Make sure to support your local comic shop. 